Here we go. Uh, episode 52 of Infinity License. Um, I'm Lenny DeFranco, and uh, Brian couldn't make it today, but... Uh, Ooh, someone's, someone's coming in. Someone's trying to make a big entrance. Hey, Hello? what's Hello? up? Hello? Hello? Anybody in this is Park Slope apartment? What? Hello? Uh, wow, you look a lot like the guy from CNN. What's your name? No, that's my half-wit brother who has forgotten his queen's roots and his glorious queen's accent. <laughs> he did, I he have, did forget the accent. He has, he? he has forsaken us. It is I, governor of New York State. Andrew Cuomo? No, no, no. I am no longer Andrew Cuomo. My name is now Amazon Cuomo. Amazon Cuomo? Amazon Cuomo. I promised the people of New York as my dog... <laughs> oh, we got that. I would rename myself Amazon Cuomo, or Jeff, Mr. Jeffrey Bezos, to to bring did, his great company to our town. And and did did uh, Mr. Bezos also rename himself, or was it just a one way? No, Mr. Bezos. Thing? It was no. Uh, that was part of the deal. Uh, my brilliant deal to give him <laughs> billions of dollars of tax breaks yeah. to the richest company in the world. Yeah, they need it. A trillion dollars. I gave them a billion for free. 1.5 billion for free. This is business. This is how business is done in New York <laughs> you State. You gave them three billion dollars. <laughs> we gave them... Uh, see, I said 1.5 at first, and then he said, why don't you double it? And I said, yes, Did Mr. Bezos. Did he make Bezos. you turn over your father in his casket? No, but I do have to name the bridge now. The bridge in Westchester County to Rockland County is now named the... Uh, the uh, Mario Cuomo brought to you by Amazon Bridge. <laughs> it is no longer the Mario Cuomo Bridge. Uh, Governor Amazon, uh, I can't thank you enough for bringing the amount of jobs that is going to revive 50, New York City. Jobs. Yeah. 50,000 jobs. 50,000. You're going to put New York City on the map. I mean, there, like I mean, how many people live in this city? 100,000? It can't be more Do than 200,000. Exactly. I, you know, As a governor, I should know this kind of thing, but mainly my job as governor is to give away tax breaks. Um, what is, what uh, do you think uh, inspired Amazon to come to Queens particularly? I mean, it's, I think it's a little it's, bit... Outer borough, don't you think? I think it, no, th that's what people don't understand. My home borough of Queens is very culturally. Uh, Nas is from Queens, Queensbridge Projects, which the Amazon headquarters will conveniently be placed next to. And Mr. Bezos said, please put my company directly in proximity to one of the <laughs> largest public housing projects. In the entire country in the United States. And I said, you got it. And those people are going to get jobs there, right? Mm, pass on that one. <laughs> they will see the jobs. I can guarantee they will see jobs. The world is yours. The world is yours. I sit the dumb peak watching Gandhi till I'm charged and writing in my book of rhymes. All the words past the margin. The whole of Mike of Robin. What's up? Hey. Hey, thanks for. What's going on? This fucking asshole named Amazon Cuomo. You ever heard of him? Formerly Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Governor Andrew. The guy, he showed up here when he opened the queue and then never again after that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he he conveniently opened three subway stops on the Upper East Side, and then the rest of the subway just completely fell apart. Yeah, and uh, I guess he, <laughs> that guy. Yeah, he was just here. He was. Uh, oh, what? He was here. Uh. Oh my God. Uh, oh, oh, here sorry. he is. Oh, hello. 
Hey, hey, who are you? What's going on? I forgot my keys. Oh, here you go. Oh, take, take these keys back. Oh, uh, thank <laughs> Don't you. Give them to uh, Bezos. Vote, vote Amazon Cuomo, even yeah. though I was just elected again. <laughs> so uh, I gotta go. All right, buy Am- buy Amazon Cuomo. Buy, yeah, buy uh, Amazon Cuomo. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he's you know that that guy's probably uh, he has reason to be proud because they they pulled off um, uh, the. Um, Biggest coup in modern uh, modern uh, civic feel, feudal history <laughs> yeah, <just laughs> by getting by getting this thing here. So, is it, is it, do you call um, what would you, you would call that um, free stuff? Is that the civic <laughs> giveaways? Yeah, it's g- giving away giving away part of your city. Yeah. So we're we're gonna yeah we're gonna kind of confront what it's like to to live in a city that's about to be uh, trying to make itself into the next Silicon Valley. And uh, we're also going to talk about um, an experience I had recently, which was I went to San Francisco for a couple of days and was pretty jarred by what I saw there. And I think it has a lot of parallels to New York City. You got you got back from the real Silicon Valley. The real well, yeah. I got back from San Francisco, which it is, is just, um, where all the Silicon Valley people go to sleep. <laughs> and some of displace. them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and a lot of other people sleep, except for not in buildings. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's, uh, you know, over the course of this podcast, we've been we've been pretty closely following with a, not a small amount of disgust the Amazon bid to try to find a place to to put its second mansion, basically. And um, what did we find out happened this last week? We found out they um, they listened to our podcast and yeah. they're like, these guys are going to be super psyched if they come to, if we come to their town. <laughs> Turns out, yeah, we won, we won, we won HQ2. We won half of HQ2. Well, we split, yeah. HQ, HQ 1.5. I think I they know. vacated the win like Lance Armstrong style and now there's just two runners up. Yeah, basically. they just created there's an no office park. Yeah. They they basically announced last week for, in a weird a weird news drip by the way. Like did you notice how they like they didn't control the, the release of it? I wonder if that was intentional. Yeah, like, they didn't acknowledge it at first. It was it was. They rumored. acknowledged the Crystal City one first, the Arlington, Virginia one first. Like that was confirmed, and then I think they there was apparently something I read a story about how one of the last things before they committed to New York was that they, um, they they had our friend Amazon Cuomo who was just recently here, <laughs> and it, it had to, they had, they stipulated that he and Bill De Blasio had to get along. That they had to stop. No, yeah. seriously. Yeah. So I guess maybe they're playing diplomat a little bit, but like I wow. guess like that, that was like Building part of bridges. the that was part of the deal was that like they they had like a joint press conference with Bill De Blasio and uh, and Cuomo. That is and, so funny. Yeah. And uh, they made them just they were just like b- b- bitchily slapping at each other on the like, table. No, the you did it. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then they announced that uh, basically HQ two, which it is a. But first of all, as a concept that doesn't make any sense, like an H, and at the point of a headquarters is you can have as big of a multinational company as you want, but a headquarters is the one nexus of it. It's the nerve center. Um, although I have heard that your body has two sources of uh, two brains. Have you heard of the gut brain? Yeah. Oh, you know what's funny? Wow, synchronicity. I just was listening to a podcast about this yesterday. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, um, like it's about like the biome or that kind of stuff, and then or that your or is it just, like yeah, like your set or is it the brain? It, it's that your brain. I, I guess your gut has enough neurons or something in it that it's like your second brain. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like that's biome related. Yeah, 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 which is so okay. So basically, this is what. <laughs> Amazon was looking for a place to put his gut biome and uh, found <laughs> and we two found separate the greatest places. city in the world. <laughs> two of them. <laughs> actually, you know what's one cool on that, uh, on that topic? Uh, actually, it couldn't be further from that topic, but I was reading about octopi recently, octopuses recently. Yeah. And uh, apparently octopuses are very smart. And one yeah. of the reasons they're really smart is because they have so many neurons because they have so many limbs to control. 
And so because they have so many limbs to control, they have enough neurons that basically they just are accidentally really intelligent. That's how they can like sneak out of their cages and like solve puzzles and stuff like that. And they can predict World Cup victories. Exactly. Like that one German octopus. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so Amazon's looking for a place to put its uh, gut brain, uh, its gut flora, (laughs) and uh, it shows queens. Doing a fecal matter transplant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Except for those work and (laughs) this might not work because this headquarters too, what, what what is a headquarters too if A, it is itself this weird chimera split in half um, along the Acela line, and B, it's six hours away from the actual headquarters on the other coast of the country. It, it doesn't. I don't really understand what they're doing. So I don't think. I think the HQ two thing was a, a ruse the entire time. Oh, I see. The, it's Amazon's business practice to essentially um, to take whatever massive amounts of data pools they can from other businesses, other country, nation states, or in this case, <laughs> cities. Um, and I'm like, I don't. I don't doubt that they're they're not like taking nation state data where they can. And uh, and in this case, getting confidential information from like cities across the nation, and and just finding out, oh, okay, here's ways we can, like, essentially, uh, use that to. Yeah, it's kind of like. Did you yeah. ever see that uh, old Soviet map of the U.S. and they have insane detail about like where you know like power plants are and stuff, and it's oh, basically no. just a, a, cool, a you know, it's everything you need to know if you wanted to at some point subvert the infrastructural grid of the United States. Exactly. What this I is want. basically it, what they collected. Nice. Better data. Amazon is now a better source of information on the United States than the government is. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's what I think the, the attempt was. And then that's why they're just like, well, now that we've gotten all we wanted out of that process, the, here's the reality is that we're going to New York and DC. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, and that, that's one of the things that really bothers me. So I was talking to Nate about this earlier and he was saying, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily bad that Amazon is landing in Queens but it's what the city gave them that is the price. The city is giving them three billion dollars in tax breaks, um, and uh, and and that's that's sort of it's overpaying. Right. And I think that we can let's set aside for now. We can talk about that later. Whether it is a good thing that Amazon is coming to Queens because that is very much a debatable point. But just on the process of them getting there, we were both super grossed out by it all last year when they started doing this. And um, it was very transparent that they were just trying to extract concessions. It, they, it, it was kind of predictable and in retrospect is, was very obvious that they probably had these two places in mind because they happened to be the two greatest power centers in the Western world. I mean, New York and D.C. Yeah. Um, well, that's it seems it feels inevitable in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, because it's just like the inevitability of it is that it's a technology and retail company that has just so quickly just overtaken our lives in a way that we, we didn't even have time to react to it in the normal democratic process and in the time we live in it's just kind of like well you can just yeah. shock like you can just shock the system and and end around local governments or city councils and this kind of stuff and be like well we've already we've already kind of lapped everybody with our technological advances so why don't we just do what we want to do um yeah and, and to that point too about like i i guess the interesting thing to me or why we were so disgusted by it is that it's like okay we're, if we're going to bid everybody down if, we're, if this is going to turn into a race for the bottom it is kind of a, a total reverse in american civic society because it used to be like i mean they joked about this on the simpsons like remember when they brought los angeles to like hollywood to springfield and then they left because like essentially springfield just grafts them they're like oh there's the there's the leaving town tax and yeah. then there's like yeah, th- this is the reverse of that like america has gone in the complete like 100 percent neoliberal reverse direction where it's like no no, no no our priority is for these companies to be happy and not threaten to leave us 
and even if they are paying essentially a negative tax rate, then that it doesn't matter because we just at least we have a, a consumers and people that have. There's the prestige here. of it, and there's yeah. like you know the way that I kind of view it is, um, so Amazon is getting three billion dollars in tax breaks. They're they've promised to. I don't think they have signed anything binding. And such a thing is not even possible at this level of governance to to invest two point five billion dollars in the city. And what that basically means is that the city is paying like a 20% premium for them to who allocate resources. Yeah. So that instead of um, tax being collected on uh, by the government and then spent by the government that's democratically elected, uh, you know, this sort of neoliberal uh, concept of like, actually, you know who really should be deciding how our money is spent? A private company, like the most, one of the yeah. most, you know, uh, uh, marquee um, businesses on the planet. And so the premium that we're willing to pay for them to come here and spend money um, the way that they see fit, as opposed to the way that our democratically elected government sees fit, is 20%. So for every dollar that they invest, we're going to pay them a fee of uh, you know 20 cents. So we're going to give them a dollar and 20 cents um, because we think that they're better at allocating resources. Yeah. And that is a really terrifying thought. It's terrifying, and given the known history of what Amazon's labor practices are, in the sense that they um, are hyper exploitative to independent contractors like they they will use independent contractors to end around the delivery system in a lot of cities um here new york, the new york times has covered a lot of stuff a from their warehouses where people work extensive hours like can't take bathroom breaks like ha like have to get like wear diapers or something like that um you know they don't have any labor rights there's a lot of anti-union activity uh they um, they raised the the minimum wage in some places to fifteen dollars after like a ton of pressure, but then stripped any of the other benefits that like went along that they had previously guaranteed to them. Um, even in the case, I don't understand people talking about the fifty thousand dollars, fifty thousand jobs of corporate. Like that's what they are HQ kind of like white collar jobs. The New York Times again a couple of years ago wrote a story about how the people that work at Amazon are complete type A psychopaths who work 18 <laughs> hours a day and email you. Like, there were stories about people that would be like, you'd go to take a shit and somebody would, like, be pounding on the door. It was like, hey, you get that email I sent you? It's like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> like, you psycho. Like, you, like people lost sleep. They could not, like, talk. To, they, they could not have, like, a normal relationship with their family. So it's like, yeah, these prestigious jobs. And they're like, oh, but there are 150K plus jobs. So these dumbasses who work 18, like, like hundreds of hours a week for, it's like, yeah, you make 150K, but it's like, you've, You've also your your hourly wage goes down. Like you're smart enough to get a job at Amazon, but your hourly wage goes down for every hour. You know what I mean? Like it's and, like, and like there, there, there certainly there, there certainly are a lot of. I mean, like when I think of where 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 in the United States would you find the most stock of Type A high successful talent? It would be New York and DC. So, yeah, New York and DC. Right. For so sure. maybe <laughs> that's what they're looking for. I mean, that's a good point. That yeah. actually is. You know, um, it kind of makes it even more insidious that they launched this whole campaign uh be, to extract all these concessions from the poor you know fucking like toledo's and fresno's and sacramento's of, of the country you know like they, they made them humiliate themselves basically just to negotiate a little bit better of a deal in the places that they certainly always wanted to go um and because you know ultimately the the thing that they're looking for is the talent and mm -hmm. i you know i don't think this is logistically the best place to, to be but i think that what you said earlier is absolutely right this is a shock offensive on the society um, and what, if you're going to launch a shock offensive, um, you know, I bet their next move, uh, you know, they're already doing it with Amazon studios and stuff like that, but they, they need to start taking over the culture. They need to start taking over government. They're probably going to be, you know, have a lobbying arm at some point in the next yeah. couple of years. I mean, well, I they're, they're going to have, yeah. 
you know, there was a, a Boston Globe article um, last year about if it, someone was saying if if Boston, which would put in a bid for Amazon HQ two, if they gave um, ten times the largest subsidy that had yet been offered, which was I think to Carrier, um, to uh, Amazon, which would be like ten billion dollars. Carrier G is one of those two. Yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe I don't know, yeah. but it's just one of those companies. If they had, if, if Boston had offered ten times the biggest public tax break that they that had ever been offered to Amazon, it would represent like one percent of their yearly revenue. It, this is not making a dent. Yeah. What Amazon is concerned with is having the airspace to try their drone ship delivery, and you know. Um, unlimited control, like they like they got in Fresno, like control over if, the way that if I get tax a drone, if I get a drone trip del- delivery to my roof in the next two years, I will I will renege on everything. <laughs> so I that's said. that's an interesting <laughs> point though, because you yeah. have a dash but, wand, yeah. like yeah, you're a beneficiary. No, you're, you're right. Of Amazon. So that is a good point, and that's a good. So th- that's the thing, and I I recognize uh, the inherent hypocrisy, my own hypocrisy in this, because it's like really I have no, I can't be self righteous about this because I am an Amazon Prime member and I have a an a stupid Alexa, and I wonder if now she'll ask a dumbass question because it's said her name. Right now. Um, Be cool. She'll yeah, she's always been listening. She's got, I mean, we, uh, she's got a lot of data on us. Yeah. She's been listening to us for a while. She's, she's this like podcast. our number one listener besides <laughs> Meg. Um, but it's like, I, that being said, it's like I, I'm a customer because it's like I'm kind of defeated by it a little bit because it's like, well, here's the reality. I live in New York City. I work essentially two jobs. Uh, like it's New York City alone, even if you're not working two jobs, is a challenging place to live and is like, is also just you're short on time here. You're short on time and you're short on money. So if you can find any way to kind of get through or like um, – so like anything that helps me avoid doing time-consuming tasks or can save me a couple bucks, which I guess Amazon does, where it's like even if I just need to order like shit, if it saves me a trip to uh, going to the grocery store to get stupid like paper towels and like some other like household needs, you know, then it, that's me, you know – living a, like buying back a little bit not only just like saving in money but time in my life that i have a limited resource That's, of so I, I was getting into an argument with about with my coworker about this who was talking he went to the amazon bookstore on um 34th street and my thing was look, never go to the amazon bookstore because it's easy enough to buy stuff on amazon there's absolutely no reason in a city where mcnally jackson the independent bookstore and on spring street is about to get priced out because uh, they had their rent raised to like a hundred dollars a square foot, um, there's there's a, a plenty of amazing places to to buy books in this city. Um, not to mention the Barnes and Nobles and stuff like that, which are struggling to survive. What possible reason could there be? You know, how could your time be so valuable if you're on Thirty Fourth Street in Manhattan to go to the Amazon bookstore physically? And he was saying basically an unrepentant version of what you're saying. This, they've made a great capitalistic product. It, it's saving me time and money. Why shouldn't I do that? And I think. I mean, I'm not here to, you know, be sanctimonious at all. I, I use Amazon sometimes. I think that I, I appreciate the default that it's provided for if I'm looking for, like, like the thing I bought from there recently was a armband cell phone holder so I can go jogging with it, which yeah. I aspire to do at some point I before I die. I know those from Amazon, too. <laughs> yeah, and, like, there are places to buy them, but they're, you know, it's marked up, and it, I can't defend not using Amazon. But what I can say is that on any elective purchase, there is, I think, an active harm in in what Amazon's existence does, and the reason the the evidence to attest to that is what it, it's not only business practices in terms of uh, you know how it treats vendors and and how it um, just all the things it transparently does to become a monopoly, but even now that it sort of is a monopoly, what it's doing with that power, um, the. <laughs> I refer often to Jeff Bezos, world's richest man, has chosen to spend forty-two million 
of his own dollars to build a clock in a West Texas mountain that's intentionally inaccessible, that's going to tick every year, and it's going to run for 10,000 years. And he's doing this as a testament to, quote unquote, the power of long-term thinking. It's really a testament to his ego. Um, this is Jeff Bezos is essentially the counterpoint to whenever I defend Elon Musk, which I've done on this podcast before, it's basically in counterpoint to Jeff Bezos, who is as close as we have to like a Bond villain. He's all about ego. He's all about um, avarice, and the both the the reported um, practices of the company, the uh, and also the very macro scale public things like inventing this new model of um, trying to get cities to compete against each other. Um, is is evil. I think it's having a deleterious effect. Then that also highlights, A, that highlights my point about how, okay, that is the least creative $42 million project I've ever heard of. <laughs> like, there's so many other cooler things that could have been built with that. Be, uh, and it's just, and it's a, a total ego stroke move where it's like, yeah, yeah it's because I, I value time and I'm a better, I'm a better person because I built this company because of you, not because I just basically just sh- like shell shocked this system with a hyper capitalist. Like, Credit to market. Jeff Bezos for having gotten his success. I'm not saying that he's not a better person than me. Like he's, oh, yeah, we're, yeah, but, we're, but yeah. it's just, it's just the, the, the scope of his, the scope and the harm of his ambition is I think. The only point I'm making is not that anyone shouldn't shop at Amazon, but I think that it's very right to be conflicted about them. It's not, this is not a benign thing. Well, that's, I guess that leads into a good point is that what is the end stage of all this is a good thing to think about. It's like, so let's say Amazon just continue on this monopolistic retail, uh, monopoly of essentially at least United States and North America's online retail market. Well, the world, let's say the world. I mean, that's that's the next next stage. So yeah, let's, so then what is, what do we get out of that? Like, you know, what? So then we just become all like this serfs in, in service to this consumer. We're serfs right now, bitch. That's a, that's a good <laughs> what point. do you think we are? Yeah, that's a, I mean, like we're I, ser- I we're serfs that have a. Hey, I, I think what switch, you so. know, someone <laughs> once said, um, "What do you think? You know, can you even imagine how terrifying the entity will be that takes over Google? You know, that, yeah. that, that surpasses Google." And um, by the way, just as an aside, the more that I learn about these megalithic companies like Amazon or Apple, which I think is also pretty evil in, in certain more mind control ways, like the fact that they enforce this walled garden on people um, and that they, the way that they try to um, – their take on the unlimited information environment we lived in, which is a very proprietary one, the more I see that Google actually is the one of these that I'm willing to root for if I have to pick one because their whole concept is that – they want to connect disparate pieces, and their in fa- and their role as the connector uh, benefits when there's more decentralization. Google is massively um, powerful, and I don't want to say that there's not problems with it, but in terms of the ambitions of the world that it envisions, I think that Google's is a much more creative, open uh, model because that's that's how they're going to be more powerful, connecting your brain with information with the thing you want right now. Uh, I think that what could take over from Google is the same thing that could take over from Amazon, which is massively decentralized. You know, like th- we, I, I fully think that there's a time when we could look back on Amazon and, and just, you know, laugh at, at when we were so immature as a as a consumptive public that we had to go to one spot, yeah. you know, to buy yeah. something. But, so the, oh, so that's that's kind of like that's kind of like a I. I think that's, I think both Google, so maybe you're talking about like building like a new in- internet infrastructure that we could just it, it, like it conduct commerce in, in a direct, like not go to a platform and conduct commerce directly with like, yeah, like, connected. like right. There, there are efficiencies. The, the whole problem with monopoly is that there are efficiencies at first. Right. Um, but then it starts to become insidious. It gets too much control. 
and the efficiencies not become not worth it. The other thing is that monopolies are always going to stifle innovation. So anything that uh, is going to threaten it is immediately squashed. The Kronos effect, Tim Wu calls it. Yeah, yes. And love, love us some Tim Wu yeah. on, uh, on this podcast. He Big- clarified for us that the on Twitter, me and Brian were having a conversation. I looped in Tim Wu to ask him whether the internet should be uh, capitalized, and he said it, it should be. The IN internet, yeah. Yeah, the mm-hmm. IN internet. Um, but, uh, and just regarding the, the, the innovation thing, I mean, you know, it, it, there used to be a time in this country where like in the, in, in the sixties growth and pro-social, you know, sentiment was so rampant and contagious that a fucking successful cartoonist Walt Disney decided to build Epcot, you know, which was supposed to be this like you know, prototype for the future, you know, he wanted the idea, the original idea of Epcot, which ended up just becoming Disneyland, which I can't imagine a better, like, microcosm of what's happened in the Disney, society. Disney World. Disney World, sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, the original concept that, that Walt Disney had was, like, I want to create, essentially, a, a terrarium for all of, of corporate America, IBM, GE, GM, to come up with the next... Um, you know, always be, this is a development center, a sandbox for the next stage of, of consumer technology. And it's going to make life better for everyone. It didn't really pan out, but it was very utopian and, and actually doing something. It was, it was creative. There's also like Xerox park and, um, you know, the Menlo- park <laughs> where Steve jobs stole all this yeah, from the gooey shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, th- those are, those were, were fundamentally pro social initiatives. I'm not going to pretend that they were, you know, as wholesome as, you know, government funding academia, which does way more of that on a bigger right. scale, more sustainably. But they at least had some ambition. Amazon is just trying to tap into an existing labor market in the most cynical insertion possible. Yeah, and to deliver just a, just to exacerbate what it seems to me, essentially exacerbate and accelerate consumerism. Like, like, like just get deliver you the stuff, whether it be delivering you content, even in the form of Amazon Prime, like streaming or whatever, or just deliver you like, okay, I need... You know, I need a new Nintendo Switch game like Stat, and I need somebody to bring it to me. I don't care what the costs are. Yeah. Slam. And then I hit Prime now, and I got me a new Super Mario Brothers. But, man, the person who brought it here in the snow <laughs> has, not, has yeah. gotten paid like $5 to do it. Uh, yeah. Like, I – yeah. I well, The point about Walt Disney's Epcot goes back to my point about the like the lack of ambition and creativity in this class of, of millionaires, billionaires, trillionaires, whatever you want to call them. Because it's just like you could just have something that – like leans towards or leans into like a communal and society based like growth project, not just something that is just self serving villainous. Uh like <laughs> I want to build essentially a new city within the biggest city in America that is gonna be this just like the and you know the counterpoint to that that I I should I'm compelled to cite is that I think that one problem with with really powerful rich people in our society is that they do want to do the opposite. They do want to create their own thing. They do want to do what would have in this case been like buying Detroit and making it Amazonville. You know, they like, for example, um, uh, Steve Ballmer uh, is, could be donating and actually uh, Bill Maher, all of our favorites. um, Bill Maher called him out on this when Steve Ballmer was on the show recently. Uh, Steve Ballmer started some new fucking Verit style, um, like fact uh, you know, authentication site or something like that that will never be used for any benefit. Um, but, you know, he's rich and he doesn't see himself as incrementally doing anything. He wants to see himself as doing precisely what we're kind of castigating Amazon for not doing, which is starting an entirely new thing in his name. It's a pure active ego. And Bill Maher kind of called him out like, you know, 
this is great that you're creating this new service that is going to is essentially what Verit is. I think it's just seeing you know you can validate that a certain fact is true or not, or or it was it was just giving facts about the country. Like this is a standard repository of data. The government does a lot of that, by the way. But um, why CIA World Factbook, baby? <laughs> yeah, and and labor. There, yeah. There's there's yeah, Department of Labor. Yeah, BLS. There, there's a yeah. lot of sources for for good data. But anyway, so Bill Maher was saying, this is great that you're doing this, but, you know, the Republicans have, like, Sheldon Adelson and the Koch brothers. Wouldn't you make more of a difference if you just transparently donated, like, came up with a Democrat-oriented super PAC? Yeah. You know, like, just spend this money very pointedly and aggressively. But then he'd just become new George Soros. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, and, yeah. and, and I think that, you know, on an aesthetic level, these guys don't and like he that. doesn't want a pipe bomb. <laughs> I'm so mad we weren't podcasting when that happened. That was the funniest. Yeah. We would have had a good episode about that. Yeah. Um, Caesar Sayak. Oh, God. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, so I, I do want to want to say that there, it, there are some benefits to not doing a pure act of creative ego. However, the weird terraforming of New York City and Virginia that they're going to be doing is, I, I think, really gross. And I think it does go back to the process they, they came through to do it. I think there used to be in this country, you know, there's always been such a thing as the company town, right? Like little places in the Midwest or whatever where one company, everyone worked for one company. But it also used to be smaller companies that were doing it. Like there was a time when, you know, a a medium-sized city uh, like Detroit could own, you know, could envelop itself you know, multiple multinational organizations like the auto industry was in Detroit. It wasn't right. just GM. It, it wasn't was an just economy Ford. of scale. Yeah, like that. There, yeah. There, there. It was just big. The city stayed bigger. The the, the concept yeah. of the city stayed bigger than any one company. Uh, and now, you know, our even our biggest cities are kind of on par with the with our biggest companies. That's how big the companies have gotten. And then the people in the pro camp of it of this terraforming and then being like, well, this is gonna what is this gonna do? It's gonna bring these jobs, right? So what are those jobs supposed to do? They'll bring well they put pressure upward like pr- pressure on wages. So like that'd be like, oh yeah, they bring the jobs uh, and put upward pressure on wages. But my money's that's not happening. If anyone read the Bloomberg Bloomberg posted an article about saying, hey, capitalism is not working right because cap, cap firms are making a ton of money while wages have stayed essentially flat. That's because there's a bunch of huge companies that are essentially like colluding against labor, uh, like it, in, intentionally or not. They're just essentially like, oh yeah, if we all just don't raise wages, then we don't have to worry about it. We just have to worry about people getting a subsistence like living in wages. See our comment about serfdom before. Um, but yeah, it's a, it, the other thing that I was gonna say is that like there's that, um, will adding these workers or adding this like this this injection of Amazon will it really like fix the transit infrastructure in the city? Oh hell no! Exactly, which we was already failing. You and I could not meet up at a goddamn Jets game because it took us like two, three hours to get there from within the the metropolitan region of the city because of the way the infrastructure is built uh, cur- currently without adding these jobs. Um, and people that that are rich that that never experienced that have no concept of it. My main piece of evidence for that is when Bloomberg wanted to build like seven new uh, high rises of Class A office space near Grand Central. Yeah, on the that's part of that's going through. One Vanderbilt is going through right now. Like, well, that's, that, that, yeah. I, that's terrible. I mean, yeah. like the and the it's already so crowded. And it's like, are they going to add any infrastructure to be able to support this? But. No, they don't think of that, and and infrastructure is kind of opposed to the proprietary ownership of that you know any company is going to want. So, and and not to mention also another point about that is like, well, it's like, oh, it's going to bring jobs. It's like, okay, right now, so we have to find if that's true, 
that right now the city is basically at full employment. Like, like, like we're at essentially three to four percent unemployment rate right now, which in the United States is considered full employment. It's below full employment. Five percent would probably be that. Uh, the the vacancy rate in the city is three point six percent, the lowest it's ever been. And so, in order to match all these new incoming jobs that are coming, we're going to have to match developing de- de- development, which all development has been in. Uh, high rises that are luxury high rises that don't support any working class families. So it's like, are we just going to hollow out the city and just turn it into this just weird, um, like glass just tower where white collar workers just like live above the sky? It's going to be like the the city in the Fifth Element, like the New York City. Or Trantor Fifth- from uh, Foundation. Oh yeah, Trant. Oh Trantor. Oh man, that book is so good. Yeah, Isaac Asimov. Yeah, classic. Of course, we both like that book. <laughs> I mean, the, it you, is. You mean you guys like the economics nerd science fiction book? <laughs> yeah, I want to be Harry Seldon. I'm Paul Krugman. The recession won't happen. <laughs> I want a book that takes place over thousands of years. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, yeah. but but that's my point. Is that it's like, okay? So there was, like you said, a great opportunity to maybe turn a former company town into a new company like like the 21st century company town which has a lot of room for creativity and interesting innovation to happen i don't know i just think or or at least even just from the perspective of like new york doesn't need this as badly as other cities need it so do that in in that sort of pro-social sense but they they didn't do that we'll see what happens i mean i i think there's a chance it could end up being sort of a drop in the bucket like um it'll be a bit i mean I, i think i looked up who the biggest employers in new york city are and most of them are all public. Uh, I think the federal government is like the third biggest with just over 50,000 employees. So basically Amazon is going to become by far the pri- the largest private employer if they actually add 50,000 jobs. By the way, we'll see what they actually do. I mean, like they might not invest $2.5 billion back into anything. Right. Um, well, they might not hire 50,000 people. That's what I don't get. Why they, we just sell the farm like uh, for nothing, for like peanuts. Because, uh, because, they're, they, because they, they think that this is going to make it – this is going to finally allow the New York tech scene to like rival Silicon Valley. Uh, I mean, and is that – I mean – so you want to talk about your recent experience in San Francisco? Yeah, let's, let's, that's a talk great, about how that's, that's a there. great entree because so yeah, one like, of the so how's Silicon Valley doing or like <laughs> or the proximate like how's life that, how's life in uh, uh, District One? Yeah, it sucks. Um, it I I visited. Uh, I just went to a marketing conference. Like I'm not going to pretend like I had. It was my first time visiting San Francisco, and so oh, one, really? one thing I will not be doing is claiming any knowledge of the city. I will, however, express chagrin over what I saw over the three days I was there. San Francisco is dealing with an epidemic of homelessness that I did not think was possible in the modern world. Um, the city has, and I, I was, I've talked to a couple people. I've talked to everyone that I got into a conversation with over three days there, o- o- like over like seven minutes long. I figured out how to bring up the homelessness thing and got their perspective on it. And they had interesting, a lot of them were kind of like, reconsidering yeah i guess we do have like they just have brushed it off san San francisco homeless people are way more aggressive than new york homeless people they're they're like kind of not in a necessarily dangerous way it's just like in new york you can just they just kind of disappear into like the like the mailbox in the in the cypress cypress creek yeah exactly Uh, yeah um that yeah and i think the reason is because they own the streets like uh, I I didn't I didn't feel in any particular danger over the short time that I was there, but I'm sure some people have been assaulted by them or whatever. It's just much more present. Like they yeah. they're they're just own, they're the streets belong to them, um, and uh, and and when I was talking to people about the problem, I was like, what do you think of the homeless thing? I mean, that's the most jarring thing to me as a you know visiting your city. 
and and a lot of them kind of threw out some you know some answers, but a lot of them clearly don't spend that much time thinking about it. And before I describe like just what the scene was like, that was the main thing that struck me was that no one seemed to everyone just dealt with it everyone yeah. internalized it the way that we've internalized trash bags on the street in new york yeah you just kind of like it just after a while it just becomes uh, it yeah just, it, like you, the 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 novelty of it just you're just like oh, okay that's just out right here. which yeah. is insane to me because a I, based on the reading that i did about it after i got back um it is markedly worse in the recent years yeah um it, i've even it, i mean i've gone to san francisco a lot and like i have a close friend that lives there and i've and I you know I would go there probably every two years or two and a half years and in that time you could see a the crazy rapid development that's going on and b just people neighborhoods just getting hollowed out of like actual like middle or upper middle class people and just turning into just be like okay well homeless people go here by the train station and then these other neighborhoods are just going to be essentially ghost towns but like there there's like uh, so one person who owns like an entire city block or yeah. something like that <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> um, yeah yeah uh, the, and and that is that is the main I think the main driver of the homelessness problem is apparently uh, 69% of people that are homeless in San Francisco used to live in San Francisco. Yeah. They just can't find anywhere else to go. Yeah. And it's such a dense area that, and, and then there's NIMBYism so that no one wants to build any new housing stock, right. which did kind of give me a new appreciation for, as we talk about, you know, New York, when you're talking about dealing with something like the incursion of Amazon HQ2, it, it, basically, New York has the luxury of having a huge urban area that it can densify as it wants because it's, you know, City Hall is in the pocket of developers right. and um, they're always going to be able to push through a new building, you know, high rise. Well, there's, also, there's also like multiple loci of urban centers around the city so that you could have like Long Island City or downtown Brooklyn. These are like little mini downtowns right. that can always deal with another skyscraper. B- like business districts, essentially. Yeah, business like, districts, but places yeah. where you can you can stick people, you know, yeah. like... Um, I mean, I don't think de Blasio's affordable housing initiative feels far enough, but at least it is basic. It's fundamentally creating new boxes for people to live in who can't afford the, the market rate. Mm. Hey, San Francisco is not able to keep up with that. Right. Um, for, it's not, it's the NIMBYism and it's also just like geography. Like there's just like the, the, the way that it's the, very dense. Yeah. Small. And you don't want to like, I mean, one of the cool parts of San Francisco is like the architecture, like the way the city, it's like one of the cooler American cities. It's I, from an architectural standpoint, I think it's one of the, my favorite American cities. Um, That's what it used to be known for. It was like, it's beautiful, you know, sort of old world looking yeah. vibe. And now it, now it's, I mean, listen, here's, here, let me tell you what this, what it's like. Um, I was, so we were staying in Union Square, which is like the traditional, like, you know, you're, you're attending yeah. a conference and this is your hotel. That's, that is like the area. district. That would be like Fida here or whatever. Yeah, yeah like exactly. That. And, uh, I went out after, uh, after a long day just to walk around and get a drink somewhere and kind of scope it out. And during the day there are on an average block, mm, I don't know, like five homeless people per block, just, you know, to various degrees of instability. Uh, <laughs> some of them are sleeping there. Some of them are just sitting there. Some of them are wheeling around and the, because these poor people have like no legs or something at night. Uh, there was just rows and rows and rows of like tarps, and it was just they they lived. It was a neighborhood. It was oh, a wow. makeshift neighborhood that it's like it, a tent city erected. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, on main streets that they weren't there hours before, and um, I didn't see any cops. I was talking to my one friend about this, and he's like, "New York is a police state. You've gotten used to living in a police state. The police here, there's not that many of them, and like you'll see them walking around, and they got like a wooden nightstick. It's like very old fashioned looking compared to yeah. what we, the you know the perennial the ubiquitous SWAT team that we have here. 
Um, and I'm not saying they should that the solution by any means is to like just clear them away the, the way that we do here. But um, what I what I found out from researching this is that the the number of homeless people hasn't really gone up. There's like 4,500 homeless people in in uh, San Francisco. That's not that many. Really? Yeah, that's small. Four thousand. Yeah, under f- approximately five thousand. We have homeless definitely people. a worse problem in this city than. Yeah, than, but it's. I mean, it's how many times bigger? Right. That's why I think it's a policy issue. Like. They can't put them anywhere. There's no clearly no one's motivated to do anything about it. Yeah. Every successive mayoral regime comes in and uh, they stopped back in like the 80s. They stopped putting public dollars behind building new housing for yeah. some reason, um, or maybe uh, Nixon did it. And then every new mayoral regime in San Francisco, including Diane Feinstein, has to, to very everybody's degrees, favorite yeah, Diane Feinstein has has just washed progressive this problem hero, under the, <laughs> one of the wealthiest members of Congress, by the way. Yeah. And also was super pissed off about something that happened on her. Didn't she? I don't know. I don't have the source on this, but like she, like definitely something got like messed up on her block. Like she lives in like a, essentially this weird gated community that's within San Francisco itself, and that like somebody had bought. It might not be Diane Feinstein, but anyway, somebody like had bought the rights to a certain sidewalk, and then it was like throwing off the entire property. Like it was wow. uh, like so I'll like find John Kerry getting his uh, Beacon Hill uh, fire hydrant moved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so and <laughs> so and and you know, I asked my one friend about like, don't these rich people, you know, care? Like, is it how this is such an ever-present thing? And he was like, you know, they have they the people that are truly rich here that decide to go into some sort of philanthropy, they find more glamorous causes. Like, mm-hmm. this is not their problem; it's no one's problem in particular. But it's going to be because um, it was my first time visiting there. I had no preconceived negative notions of San Francisco, but I was very shook by by the level of, of uh, deprivation that I saw these people going through. And um, I mean, and meanwhile, it's like needles I, on the street and stuff, and like just yeah, which is it lo- looked like it looked like what it looked like what a fire and brimstone conservative in the sixties would have warned America was going to become, you know, it, it, and it reminded me kind of like what New York used to be. Yeah. Um, like I think that they probably could do, I, I was kind of thinking like this, they need a fear city campaign. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, you know, I don't live there, but, and I don't, I didn't live here when Giuliani was in office, but man, that's how Giuliani's end up happening. You know, someone who's like, I'm going to clean up this city and effective or not. Um, yeah. That like something needs to be done, and hopefully it happens in a more empathetic way that actually solves the underlying problem and provides people with housing they need. But it is a broken system as is. Yeah, it's just sad to see because I think San Francisco, like I like every time I've gone, it, like I've always had a great time in San Francisco, and maybe it's the people I knew there and that kind of stuff. But it has every time I've gone, I've seen it progressively getting worse. Also, just like the the contrast between rich and poor, obviously, but also the. Um, uh, so the, the tech scene had gotten so out of hand last time I went there. I went with my friend, Matt. We went to a bar. And in my mind, the East Coast New Yorker was like, we went to a bar and we're in this bar. And I'm like, there are so many dudes here. And I was like, I just thought, I was like, oh, this must be a gay bar. And like, that, just because I was like, oh, yeah, San Francisco is you like is synonymous sure. with gay culture. That's in my mind. I was like, I was like, Matt, is this a gay bar? Like, is this like, and he's like, no. This is a, just a tech bro bar, and the, he hates that. My friend Matt is the opposite of a tech bro person. He's from San Francisco. Is he a woodsman? No, he's just like a San Francisco, like Bay Area kind of like uh, you know hip hop head and, and like West Coast hip hop head kind of guy. But I was like, because then I noticed all these guys. If you are a girl, if you're a single woman, though, move to San Francisco because you will clean up. Because there was like three girls in the bar and. 
five dudes were like talking. Every, <laughs> every girl was like was flanked on either side That's, by like guys uh, in. Hear like, that, Meg? No, Meg. Meg's get locked your, down. Go get your real man. Um, no, they're not real men. They're all wearing. <laughs> imagine the kind of real men who'd wear khakis and a button-down shirt to out on a Friday night. Yeah. These, these are the kind of, and they still work at a tech company. That's yeah, Asperger's are. people. That's yeah, what exactly. they're called. These are all autistic people. Yeah. Um, hey, let's not knock them because I'm mild. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like to pretend that I mildly am. But yeah, it is. It's just frustrating to see that happen to a cool city that um, uh, is uh, now turned into just a wasteland. And to your apocalyptic point, it is kind of like, it does kind of feel like a little bit the recent last two years. It is hyperbole to say it, but then like, and you wonder if it's just a ubiquity of news and social media and that kind of stuff, which I advocate everyone's leading um, and reading that New York Times article oh about God, the yeah. Facebook thing, which is, I guess, a whole nother podcast. We got to wrap yeah. this up soon. Um, but yeah, Lean in and delete Facebook. <laughs> lean in to Sheryl Sandberg's How bad does Lean In look right now? It looks like, so bad. I hated that book. Okay, side rant, because I had to get this out of there. I read that stupid book. I'm like, yeah, this is great professional advice for rich white people. Yeah, it's you could be super successful if your mentor is goddamn Larry Summers, one yeah. of the most powerful people on the planet. Yeah, Cheryl, no wonder you succeeded. I'm sorry your husband died, but seriously, like, like, like what the fuck? Like, yeah, it's like, oh, just lean in, girls. It's like, oh, yeah, also it helps to have, like, seriously... Like three, your mentors to be three of the most powerful people in the United yeah. States. So uh, if Rich. you can lock those down. Um, anyway, so that's my sidebar. My point is that just, it does feel like uh, apocalyptic end times in slow motion almost. Like where it's like the California's on fire. Yeah. Uh, the mega, oh, the, the, oh, the smoke. Dude, it was bad. Like the, I mean, it wasn't like I, I could breathe outside, but it was very um, smoky, odoriferous. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. You could smell it. And, uh, you, and it was, the haze was very thick too. Yeah. And, it, you know, the whole thing with, with the homeless situation, like, it's such a policy failure. It's such a failure to control costs and, and, and give people, you know, the assistance that they need. And it really kind of encapsulated to me, like, the, the, the larger context of this is that Nancy Pelosi is fighting to retain her speakership. Yeah. And it was a good glimpse into broken democratic governance. Because she is an effective legislator at certain things. I'm sure she's very good on the floor of the House. That's what everyone says. But I can tell you that in her district, the people are hurting. And, like, it is wildly unequal. Also, there's basically a very rich person, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah her, her daughter, Alexandra, has a new show where she's going around the country to learn from people who are essentially dumber than her. Meanwhile, is anyone fucking planning on doing something about the, the relatively small number of people who can't find anywhere to go the, on the streets and, and are now own own the streets at night in their city. That's what that's why the yeah, and that's why the Democrats walk around they're like, "Why doesn't anybody like us?" It's like, "Well, your representation look, in Congress your is city. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who the, the like the two well two of the wealthiest people in in either the House or Senate." And, and also people that are completely out of touch with their Chuck yeah. Schumer complained about this, the bike lanes outside of his house. He's like, nah, what if we have, if we have bike lanes, it's going to be horrible Chuck for, Schumer my, also didn't. for my million dollar mansion on prospect park West, or billion multi-million dollar mansion on prospect. Park West. <laughs> He's a billion yeah, dollar mansion. He no, is HQ three. Yeah, he is. <laughs> you know what's, you know, what's bad for bike lanes in San Francisco. They had a problem where there was so much human urine corroding street lamps that they started to collapse. There was that happened in 2015. There was one Damn. that had that had been so acidified that it collapsed and smashed a car, which luckily no one was in. Damn. But then the city was like, "Oh shit! Now we got to start." Because the city spends millions and millions of dollars on street cleaning just yeah. to just to wipe away the feces and stuff. Damn. But did you know there's an app to so that you can report uh, where there's human shit on the sidewalk in San Francisco? What's just it called? It's like poopy po- poopsters. <laughs> I don't know. I'm poopy sure that uh, yeah, poopy spelled like P U P Y or something like that or. Like- <laughs> 
editor's note, this joke lasted 25 minutes. <laughs> just doing, just poopy doing different poopy. Uh, uh, Where's poopy? Shitter. <laughs> no, Shitter. Uh, yeah, with the, two T's. Yeah. I guess it already has two T's, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, disgusting. Just disgusting, just disgusting on a governmental level. And, um, and hopefully they, hopefully it, you know, uh, it's like brave one era, New York, and they can, they can fix it in a way that's more equitable than what we've done here. But, uh, yeah, that's what that's the so to, to bring it full circle, you're right. That's what the you know elites here are hoping to turn New York into a tech hub. Awesome, that's what a tech hub looks like. Yeah, I can't wait. All right, cool. Thanks um, for coming, to Amazon. You got anything else? No, I got. I think that's. I'm just now. I'm depressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is pretty cool. I learned the power of human urine today that it can corrode a street lamp. Never forget. God, never forget the goddamn power. The p- the power of pee. That's gonna be my book. That's that's the my lean in. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, keep it at real out there, everybody. And uh, I'll plug read the New York Times Facebook thing and delete Facebook. Yeah, Chuck back doesn't look great Facebook. in that either. Yeah. Um, Chuck Schumer does not look good because he just basically shilled his daughter out to get a bullshit job at a, a huge company and then protected them in Congress. Congrats, uh, Malia Obama's Weinstein internship. You're no longer the worst-looking privileged internship <laughs> in the Democratic Party. Yeah, I don't know. It's, that should, actually, we should rank that next time we do one of these. Yeah, um, for sure. But uh, And also, yeah, so read that. Um, read the Jaron Lanier book. I would say that. Did you read that? Did you tell about that? Ten, ten arguments to delete your social media. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about that. Um, I highly recommend it. Short book reading that. And, uh, you know, I don't know. That's about it. Cool. Come hang out with us. All right. Peace, dude. Bye. Bye. Yo, the world is yours, Staten Island, yeah, the world is yours, South Bronx, the world is yours.